speak out and speak now. Welcome to Speak Now, the podcast that gives a voice to the silence and shines a light on the unsung heroes making a difference in the world. My name is Dana and I'll be your host as we explore inspiring stories of resilience, courage and change. In each episode, we'll be joined by incredible individuals from all walks of life who have faced adversity and risen above it. Together, we will uncover the truth behind their stories and learn how we can all help create a more just, inclusive and compassionate world. Our guest today is a remarkable woman who has truly transformed classrooms with the power of warlike friends. I'm thrilled to introduce Barbara Wokazis, an associate professor with a deep passion for inquiry learning and a firm believer in the incredible effects of dog therapy on children's learning. Barbara, along with Golden Doodle Carmel, has been volunteering as a therapy dog team in various educational settings and even authored books about their amazing journey. Barbara, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Can you share with us how you first got interested in dog therapy? Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, dogs are time-consuming too, and we needed to be aware of that. And then, once we got our Carmel, and um, she was about maybe six months old, she was very, very strong, so strong that I could not really walk her on a regular collar and leash, and even harness, nothing really worked. And we had to um, ask a trainer for help. And that's how it all started. The trainer helped us with uh, a different type of harness. And then we uh, did some work training with her. And then the trainer saw some um, potential in our dog to become therapy dog and to go further into this kind of training. So that's how it started. Yeah, it's really fascinating to hear about your um, initial interest in dog therapy, Barbara. Your experience truly highlights the unexpected path that life can lead us down, and it's inspiring to see how your personal journey um, has turned into a passion to help others. Um, yes, like like we didn't know, I didn't know I was going to have a passion for this. So sometimes we don't start with a passion, but somehow things that happen can then make us realize that there will be a passion. <laughs> um, how did you come to realize that therapy dogs could have such a significant impact on children's learning? So I knew that therapy dogs do a lot of goodness in the classrooms, but everything really changed as far as my realization. Once I saw what my dog and I are, we were doing in the classroom, and even more than that, um, when I already volunteered for some time, maybe two years, something like that, it's hard to tell. And I thought about writing my first book or my second book about dog therapy. And I actually interviewed teachers uh, in order to um, not only speak in the book myself, but also have teachers speak about the benefits. And that was the time when I had a chance to reflect with the teachers about how kids benefited from Carmel's visiting the classroom. Because we didn't really have time so much to talk about it before. You know, as a therapy dog team, you come in to the classroom for a scheduled appointment and then you just leave and the teachers teach you and they don't really have time to talk to you, right? But for the book, I um, scheduled appointments with them to interview them. And that was when some of those incredible benefits um, were revealed by the teacher. And uh, that, that was the moment, uh, this aha moment that gave me this realization. Wow, we have done so much in the classroom. I mean, there were things I knew were good um, when therapy dogs visits were happening. When I come into the classroom, I see with my eyes what's happening. I see how everybody's face lights up and, and changes. All of a sudden, everybody is happy, the faces are brighter, kids are smiling when they see us. So I knew that something exceptional was happening. But as far as what exactly those benefits were, teachers know those benefits, they just need to find the time to tell you about them. 
Exactly, yes. Your insight um, regarding the impact of therapy dogs on children's learning is quite profound. I think your observations you. will likely inspire many educators to explore the potential benefits um, We hope, yes. Yes, of therapy dogs in their own classrooms. Can you share some of your favorite stories about how Carmel, your golden doodle, has helped students? Sure. So one of the first stories I heard from the teacher is that um, we were we were coming to the classroom and one student in the classroom was maybe more than one, but we heard about this one, did not talk at all. So did not verbalize any communication with the teacher. So when Carmel came in um, later, she just did something really uh, funny. She touched the boy with her nose or something like that. And he just started like whispering to her uh, when the exact story is described in my upcoming book, Teachers and Therapy Dog Teams. Um, and he, he basically started um, to gain some more confidence and eventually started talking to the teacher a little bit more. So the breakthrough happened because of my dog's inter interaction in that classroom. Some other things, um, well, in one of the classrooms, uh, we did some innovative activities that included my dog and me reading one of my books. So one of my books, the title is uh, From Unruly to Therapy Dog. It describes how we couldn't walk our dog and um, we had to uh, hire a trainer. So I was reading this book to the children and uh, some kids in the class didn't even write at all, like not even a sentence. So you can imagine, and after COVID too. And uh, as a result of me reading the book and sharing the book with children um, and my dog being there, some of these children started to uh, get an idea that they could write a book too. Like, can we write a book too? <laughs> and as a result, uh, long story short, these kids ended up writing real books. There are autobiographies where they talked about their life or how they um, developed certain hobbies and things like that. So they wrote real, real books with table of contents, introduction, chapter one, chapter two. I remember some kids were writing like, uh, here's stories like, I'm already on chapter six, Mrs. B. I'm already on chapter 10. It was just amazing. And they loved doing it. They didn't care that writing has to be revised. They were doing all these things because they wanted to write. They were inspired. And that was amazing. And they remembered these activities because each time I meet one of those kids later on, when we even didn't go to their classroom anymore, they always remembered it. They stopped in the hallway and they were telling me, uh, you know, I still have my book. I kept writing uh, more books. So things like that are really powerful. Those little moments when they told me about how really profound this experience was. And recently we have a lot of uh, success in um, with math activities. Children who don't like math and are not doing good at math and are so excited about practicing math skills because um, they get excited when they see that Carmel wags her tail or does something else to give them an idea that the answer is correct or they hide and seek and, and, and everything is just not just a game but um, anything fun that we do in hide and seek or playing a game with Carmel always involves math facts. It's either addition, subtraction or uh, something else or telling the time or trying to figure out the money amount. Everything we do we combine together but children are just so um, much more engaged in learning math because you can imagine in order to learn something you have to be engaged in this so if you don't like math you're not engaged in math they can really learn but if you are engaged and you figuring out that math is fun you want to come and you want to do it and that's what we hear from the teacher that the teachers um, that the children love to come to that little math group because they know Carmel will be there and it's going to be fun Wow, the stories you have shared about Caramel are heartwarming and really highlight the incredible impact the therapy dog can have. Yes. 
It's, I think it's evident that Carmel has not only assisted students in their learning, but also um, has touched their hearts. It's clear that therapy dogs like Carmel are much more than learning tools. They are friends, confidence, and source of comfort for students. Yes. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced in integrating dog therapy into classrooms? So, I, I, I don't think that I myself experience a big challenge because, because I work with the teacher who is um, as interested in experimenting with, uh, with, with my dog as I am. Uh, but I think that the biggest challenge probably in integrating would be, um, well, number one, probably school administrations that are just don't know about those benefits and therefore they don't initiate anything like that. Um, there are many schools that don't have dog therapy, don't have therapy dogs. And then maybe um, even if there are therapy dogs in school, they might not be uh, incorporated in a way they can. They have so much potential if if therapy dog team and the teacher uh, are willing to experiment a little bit. So if there is no willingness to experiment, to try something new, try something different, then you're going to have um, a difficulty, right? As far as implementing uh, therapy dog in a little bit more creative ways. So that's what I would say uh, would be uh, an obstacle. It's clear that integrating dog therapy into classrooms isn't without its challenges, and I appreciate your candidness in sharing these hurdles. Um, sure. So let's move on to the next question. Can you talk about the process you went through the, to train Carmel to be a therapy dog? Sure. So we actually described this process really in detail in our first book from an only therapy dog where I talk about how she became, how she was puppy first, how we had to hire the trainer, then how we took Carmel to obedience class, and then the next step after obedience class was something that's called canine good citizen, um, that trains a lot in tasks that therapy dogs need to do. So it's kind of like a pre-therapy dog training, and that's called canine good citizen. And after she, um, did this training and passed the test because there was a test. Uh, then um, the next step was to find uh, therapy dog training that would be finalized with a certification. Uh, we waited a little bit because she was a little bit hyper dog. So we waited several months, I think, and then we enrolled in a training. Um, and the training, it was like about eight week training. We went, um, once a week to the training and it was uh, finalized with a certification exam and that was with Therapy Dogs International. Wow, the process of training Carmel to be a therapy dog sounds rigorous but rewarding. Um, yes. I think that it's clear that this journey with Carmel has not only been, uh, has not only enhanced your bond with her but also deepened your understanding and um, appreciation of the potential dog's hole. Yes. So, as an educator, how have you seen um, your teaching methods evolve since incorporating dog therapy? Yes, so uh, my incorporation of what I do as my passion in dog therapy is, I would say, kind of light. So, I well, I talk to my students about my background, what I'm interested in as far as research uh, and, and about my passion for dog therapy. And, and I tell them what I see is happening in the classroom when my dog is uh, working with children. And I tell them that um, and these are young teachers or not even teachers yet, but they uh, usually about half a year or something similar away from really becoming a teacher uh, half a year or a year and I tell them well um, that what they're learning here in, in college and in courses 
from textbooks is just not going to be enough to really uh, make sure that they will know how to handle certain situations in the classroom. Children's, children today come with a lot of anxieties, um, a lot of issues um, that many in college courses or textbooks don't even teach about. So how are these young teachers are going to handle the situations in order to teach? So I tell them one of the ways to do this is to get interested, get familiar with what dog therapy can do and invite uh, therapy dog team to their classroom and do some activities and they'll see the benefits, they'll see the anxiety uh, going down and that's going to be so helpful in creating the classroom climate and it's going to be so helpful in teaching. So I tell them what the benefits are, what I see. Um, I, I sometimes bring my dog to my class too so they can interact with her and they see those benefits themselves. College students like therapy dogs too, and they see um, their anxiety going down. So the same thing applies to children. So that's what I tell them. I give them, um, basically, I tell them what I see. I tell them about my, my activities, what I'm going to publish, and why, and why this is so important. So they hear about my passion. They hear about the benefits. They hear what's happening in the classrooms, and also, um, I'm using this as an example to tell them that as teachers, they need to experiment with activities, trying different things, and this is a very essential part of being a teacher. And I need to give them an example. So if I tell them that they need to experiment, I have to experiment myself, right? <laughs> so I do activities, I experiment with them, come up with new ideas in order to see what will work. So I do it myself, and therefore I teach them that that's important to do. It's so exciting to hear about your journey. Um, your continuous learning and adaptation is a testament to your commitment as an educator, and I think your students are lucky enough to have you as your teacher. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how have your students responded to having Carmel in class? Were well, they upset well, or happy or... Like, yes. Well, first of all, after I hear about me and my passion, that I have a therapy dog, when I introduce myself, eventually I ask them if they, they would be interested in um, uh, me bringing my dog to the classroom. And of course, I still teach. And uh, then I have to ask them for permission, each individual student, because I need to know if anybody is allergic to dogs and things like that. So I need to have a permission from each individual person in the class, so that's very important. But generally, um, when I bring my dog, everybody just is so much happier. They interact with the dog, they pet her, we talk about her. And it's just, um, it just brings the anxiety down. I see the, I see the happiness. That's what I see. What I see in on the faces of children in elementary school, I see the same element, the same brightness and excitement on the faces of my uh, students in the classroom I teach, yes. Um, it's so heartwarming to hear how well-received Carmel has been. Uh, the love yeah. and joy she brings into the classroom clearly enhances the learning environment. I think we also need someone like Carmel in our classroom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what advice do you have for other teachers who may be interested in incorporating therapy talks in the, into their classrooms? Yeah, so um, there, there are a lot of ways to um, reach out to therapy dog teams. Uh, that's the basic um, really idea. As a teacher, let's say I am interested in bringing a therapy dog into the classroom. Um, first, I need to have a permission from uh, from the principal, right? Because the principal is the person who gives the permission for this kind of activity. So the teachers really, um, the teacher who wants to start therapy dog activity should kind of educate themselves as far as why, what kind of benefits it brings. 
So that's step one, I think. And then um, telling the principal, uh, I would be interested in, in doing this and trying to build my classroom. Uh, I would like to um, contact some reputable therapy dogs organizations uh, in our area and, and see if they can contact us, connect us with therapy dog um, teams. So that's one of the ways of starting. Um, sometimes as a teacher, you might maybe, maybe you hear about another school uh, having therapy dogs, so you can get in touch. Um, maybe if you are on Instagram as a teacher, you, there's a lot of dog Instagram accounts and a lot of them are therapy dogs. You can start communicating with one of them and just ask these questions. How do I start? How do I bring the dogs to my classroom? But uh, I think that definitely contacting some reputable therapy organizations would be a great idea because you know that you deal with an institution, with an organization, and they can really connect you. For instance, my organization, Therapy Dogs International, has local chapters. And I know a local chapter like that. So if a teacher um, I get to know somewhere asks me, well, I would like to bring my dog to school too. How do I do that? Can you help me? Then if it's a local person, I just email my local chapter uh, director and I tell them, I tell her, hey, there is an interest in bringing therapy dogs to a school locally. Uh, could we do something about it? Could we help them? And then the uh, director of the local chapter reaches out in her emails and asks therapy dog teams, hey, anybody would like to be interested in visiting that school? And of course, it has to be uh, done well. Uh, the, the, the Everything is very important here. The information about school, who's the principal, because again, the principal is the person who makes the decision. But that's one of the best ways of making this kind of connection, connecting directly with therapy dogs organization or their local chapters, if they have such uh, local chapters. That's a great advice. Um, Thank you. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am from Kazakhstan. And yeah. in my country, I don't think that we have this kind of um, local therapy chapters. But I think it will be great if we implement something like that. Because there is a lot of anxiety there um, between. I think like there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, yes. In schools, especially. So, um, implementing therapy dogs will be great for students. Exactly. Um, what do you believe are the key qualities a dog should have to be a good therapy dog? So, there are some basic things that is obedient, obedience level is important because the dog has to be obedient um, on a therapy dog visit. That's sort of obvious, but uh, in order to be a therapy dog, um, the dog has to be willing to accept all kinds of touches because um, the, the core of therapy is being able to touch the dog, touch their fur, pet them. Uh, so the dog needs to be really comfortable with this touch and enjoy it because in order for this to be effective, uh, there needs to be enjoyment on both sides. So the child or somebody else, adults, need to find enjoyment in touching the dog, petting them, touching their fur. Their, their fur. Um, but the dog also needs to experience a joy as far as being touched. Um, so, well, with children, sometimes they don't exactly maybe know how what's the appropriate way of touching the dog, so we need to teach them about that. But once they learn, they know um, how to do this. But this uh, willingness on the part of the dog to experience the touch and uh, being okay with this and finding enjoyment in being touched as a dog is really the most important part. Indeed, temperament is a crucial. Yes, it's a crucial quality for therapy dogs. It's clear that Carmel embodies these qualities, making her a fantastic therapy companion. Um, can you share more about your book from Unity, ah, from Unruly to Therapy Dog, The Amazing Journey, and what readers can expect from it? 
So uh, this is my really first book. So that book I already talked about actually, it really like documents the journey. So from Carmel's puppyhood to all these steps of training and how we became certified. So if somebody wants to like uh, go through those steps and find out all the solutions we did and how we started with an unruly dog and how we then achieved the therapy dog certifications, then I uh, recommend that book and it's on Amazon. But my newest one, uh, Teachers and Therapy Dog Teams, that will come out in about two to three weeks. That's the one that will describe um, um, much longer, uh, will describe more activities that are uh, innovative in terms of how we help children in writing, in math activities, how my collaboration with Lucinda, a wonderful teacher, developed this book gives uh, a lot of ideas to teachers and therapeutic teams how to start a collaboration and it gives real lessons uh, as far as how to do writing that involves a dog, how to do math activities that involve the therapy dog. And in this book, I also um, have interviews with other therapy dog teams and they speak about all kinds of situations um, and um, problems such as um, how can we, um, let's say, help administrators and teacher understand that allergies in school and things like that should not be a block, uh, should not prevent the school from inviting therapy dog teams, because there are ways of minimizing these things, there are ways of creating permission slips, there are ways of talking to the parents and finding solutions to make sure that uh, mostly all the children can experience a uh, therapy dog uh, visit and also if somebody really has a severe allergy there are ways of um, also helping them maybe in observing the dog maybe but making sure that they they won't be touching so there's different ways of really going about these uh, issues and finding solutions and these therapy dog teams um, who are interviewed for my book are going to speak about these solutions as well because they experience them. So actually, it's a lot of me and uh, my collaborating teacher talking in the book, but also some other therapy dog teams. So the book has multiple perspectives, I would say. Um, your book sounds like a must read for anyone interested in therapy dogs. The personal touch and lessons you have shared are indeed inspiring. How has writing this book deepened your understanding of dog therapy? I think it really has deepened the understanding a lot. Um, it, it really, I ask myself questions uh, in such as uh, what, it, what is happening, right? What, what was happening in the classroom? Uh, why is this uh, bringing in, why is this creating such incredible results? Why kids want to all of a sudden write? kids who didn't want to write a sentence all of a sudden want to write books. We had children say, I want to write thousands of books. I want to be an author. I want to publish books. I want to uh, have a therapy dog in the future. We have commitments like that for children. And I think that uh, a lot of this has to do with the idea of a dog as being an incredible friend. Uh, the friend, the furry friend who comes to the classroom and uh, loves the children and they can see that love and they reciprocate. So they love, uh, they love my dog. We had kids telling me all the time, I love Carmel, I'm so happy Carmel's here. I love Carmel so much. This constant expression of love for the dog in the classroom, that tells you something. And then when they love the dog, they are willing to learn from the dog, to uh, follow the dog in certain footsteps. So we had um, one of the easiest uh, learning activity that we did with kids was about kindness. And we asked children, well, tell us, how does Carmel, how does Carmel show that she's a kind dog? And all these kids are thinking how Carmel shows that she's a kind dog and they describe me what she does how she loves them 
So you see what I'm saying? When they have this incredible connection, attachment to the animal they love, they connect this attachment and friendship to learning. So they were saying, well, Kalmer does this, Carmel does that. And then we asking them, well, how can you, what you learn about Carmel's showing kindness, how can you apply it? How can you be kind to your, to your parents, to other people, people in your life? remembering the fact that of course Carmel's a dog so she might show kindness in a doggy kind of way right sometimes but they were coming up with the ideas how what she does as a kind dog can help them develop kindness for themselves and what's very interesting is that and uh, the collaborating teacher was telling me about it that usually kids would give um Maybe some children would give uh, more complex answers in the rest of the classroom and say, well, I agree with Natasha, or I agree with John, something like that. But what's very interesting is when we had Carmel in the classroom, sorry, I have a flight like <laughs> cruising around my head nonstop because it's a fly season. So when we had uh, Carmel in the classroom, all of a sudden, oh, oh sorry. What I was talking about. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. So I was talking about um, how. Um, oh, I think I know the activities uh, with Carmel in the classroom and how children when they were talking about how to show kindness and what they learned from Carmel each child had their own idea every child wanted to express their own ideas they weren't saying oh i agree with johnny or i agree with natasha or something like that they were engaged in coming up with their own ideas with their own expressions and that was very powerful isn't that what you want to do as the teacher you want your teaching to result in every child's learning, being creative, responding, thinking, being engaged. That happened because of this attachment uh, connection that they had with the dog. That's so great. Like, I cannot even express how I am amazed. This is Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I am amazed. I, I'm talking about these things, but each time I think about it or talk about it, I am constantly amazed, like it does not go away, yes. Um, I think that it's wonderful to hear how this progress has first enhanced your passion and understanding of dog therapy. So in your book, uh, The Amazing Power of Dog Therapy, you mentioned that multiple voices speak in it. Can you share more about this? Yes, yeah, so this was my second book. So in this book, I include interviews with the teachers I work with. So that's what I mean by saying multiple voices, uh, because in the book I talk about how I see benefits of dog therapy, benefits of uh, my uh, visits with Carmel, but also because I include interviews with the teacher and what they say, so they speak in the book directly and they provide this evidence, they talk about it, that is the multiple voices, not just mine. That's a unique approach. Giving readers different perspectives to fully grasp the impact yes. of dog therapy. It's clear that your work is making difference in many lives. Um, so the next question is, um, can you speak about any research or evidence that supports the benefits of dog therapy for learning? Yeah, so you know, I, I could list, of course, a lot of bibliography, a lot of references but um, this is easy to, to look up. And even my recent, my latest book that will be published soon, uh, Teachers and Therapy Dog Teams, I include that literature. I talk about what literature um, books and articles show in the area of dog therapy. And the literature is actually quite extensive. It's a lot of uh, evidence as far as what dog's presence does terms of mental health, in terms of lowering anxiety, depression, things like that. And this literature uh, refers not just 
educational settings when their dogs are, but also in hospitals, in other kinds of, all kinds of medical um, facilities where uh, therapy dogs uh, are allowed, quite a few. Uh, then there is very extensive literature that documents um, reading achievement for children where dogs are allowed when uh, children can read to the dog because this is a very interesting concept when the child struggles with reading um, doesn't have confidence in reading and confidence is uh, connected with motivation to learn and there's a lot of interconnectivity here so reading to the dog uh, part, sort of partner a friend who doesn't talk but will just listen to you and will never judge your reading and gives children a lot of boost, a lot of motivation, self-confidence and there are a lot of studies that um, point to effectiveness of uh, including therapy dogs in connection to reading achievement and um, the other types of let's say how therapy dogs can influence learning math or how dog therapy can help children in becoming better writers. This is more of an innovative area um, that is not so much seen yet and therefore is not represented in literature yet. And I guess I'm trying to um, innovate in that field. So I hope that others will follow my steps, uh, experiment more with dog therapy, and eventually we can have more and more studies that show effectiveness um, of dog therapy, not just in reading, but in other areas, right? writing, math, and even in other subjects. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing those studies. It's important to have research validate the impact of innovative methods like this. Um, yeah. So the next question is, what do you envision for the future of dog therapy and education? Do you have any goals, like specific goals? Yeah, so I think that I would like to really spread more awareness about those activities. That is why the book is going to come out. That is why I include, why I include uh, quite detailed lesson plans. Uh, in order to give uh, teachers and therapy dog teams more tools, make it as explicit and well explained as possible. So spreading awareness about the, uh, these ideas and the benefits of these ideas. These are not just ideas, these ideas have concrete benefits, results. Mm, so I hope that, and I, for that, and I hope that uh, my uh, appearances in events like this, podcasts, and other events will help me in this. Um, so uh, trying to promote the book too, but uh, basically my hope is that these activities will be a part of other classrooms, other collaborations between teachers and therapy dog teams, and that teachers and therapy dog teams take these ideas even further and begin to experiment even more um, with my help or without. So we want these activities to be more present in schools and also taking them even further because no matter what you do, you can always improve it, you can always add, you can always modify. Those goals are definitely within reach. So... <laughs> We hope that our, our organization will help you to reach them. Um, the future looks bright for this field. So um, let's move on to the next question. You have witnessed firsthand the bonding between students and therapy dogs. Why do you think these connections are so powerful and impactful? So I actually already uh, spoken to you about it in answer to uh, one of the questions. I, I, this connection really is, uh, I think there's like two layers of it. So layer number one is when the dog enters the classroom, all of a sudden like the world enters the classroom because the classrooms are just um, desks, chairs, right? Some learning materials, whiteboard, and they all kind of look the same. And what children don't have in the classroom is the presence of something that they like, that they love, something that connects them to the world. 
most of the children have their own pets, dogs, but, but these animals cannot be brought to school. So when the dog enters the classroom, it's just like a part of the natural world enters the classroom, uh, connects with children's um, classroom and the teacher and makes it all kind of natural. It's no longer a classic classroom anymore. And there is, um, there is an element of humor because sometimes the dog does something funny maybe. I remember uh, in one of the classrooms there was a it was like this wooden wedge that was used to uh, keep the door open and Carmel um, liked it. It was like this fresh wood, wasn't colored with anything. She just loved to steal it and, <laughs> and of course it was very easy to take it back from her. Everybody was laughing. So all of a sudden this atmosphere became lighter, less anxiety. Uh, it, it just it just brings so much um, sort of natural world and less anxiety. And, and, and all of a sudden, children are just like forgetting that they're in the classroom, they're learning. Uh, there is this cool dog next to them and they can interact with, with the dog and, and everything is just, um, just changes. And another aspect is the, I think, pure love that they feel to the animal because they see that she gives, she loves them because how she interacts with them and they uh, feel basically loved by this animal they treat like their best friend. Um, yes. Um, you make an excellent point. The non-judgmental love and comfort from an animal enables children to open up in ways they may not with humans. Um, the safe space therapy dogs help create allow students' minds and hearts to be more receptive to learning. Yes, definitely. I think it's clear these bones have belong. Um, I don't know how. Um, I think like lifelong impact on the children you work with. Yes. Um, so next question is: What have you? What have been some of the biggest challenges with writing your books while um, managing your other roles as an educator and therapy dog handler? Well, the issues are, of course, always uh, always die. And uh, I, I'm a full-time professor, and, and I also have a daughter who um, to whom I have to attend. So trying to manage the time, and, and basically the, the way I do it, the way I get this work done with the book, with writing the book is just one of the steps, but then the multiple steps of sort of rechecking the book, revising, meeting with the publisher, all of these things, they take a lot of time. But I don't watch TV, and if I am on social media and I have to run my accounts, and mostly I'm on Instagram, that I run on my own, I don't have a team, I don't have any assistant for that. Uh, so, uh, but I don't scroll on social media, I just create my content and I post, I interact with, uh, whoever follows me and is interested in my work. So I think when you eliminate a lot of unnecessary activities, such as TV, uh, other things, you can find some time to fit in something that is, that is important uh, for you. And often it's, it's really important to do a part of this work, like part of this writing, the first thing in the morning, before it gets busy, before you look even at emails. So there are some strategies for that as well, I think, yeah. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. Juggling so many important responsibilities and um, like being an educator and therapy dog handler, I think that demands incredible dedication and time management. So, yes, yeah. well, I have to, I have to say though that because I, I work full time and have all the responsibilities, I cannot take my dog to school every day. And it happens mostly once a week and sometimes twice a week. But that's enough because she needs a break too. We cannot overwork our therapy dogs. That's right. So um, the next question is, what has been the most surprising reaction you have gotten from readers of your books? Um, I've got all positive, um, always uh, feedback responses from from the readers, but uh, I have to mention this one. That's 
concerning the book that will be published very soon, I had some people writing um, early praise, so to speak, for the book. So early praise is already written, uh, obtained. It's just going to be published uh, in the book. And one of the um, dog therapy teams uh, wrote in that uh, feedback, in that praise, that my book opened her eyes to how much more we can do when we incorporate dogs in creative, innovative ways in the classroom. So essentially, she said that my book opened her eyes to these ideas. So I think that was really powerful. It's amazing how heartfelt book can resonate with readers in um, unintended ways. Hearing your story prompts deep personal reflection for that reader that shows the power of your words and work. Um, what's next for you and Carmel? Any exciting new therapy dog adventures on the horizon? So right now it's summer, so Carmel has a break from therapy dog visits. But as soon as the school uh, starts, which is going to be in September, we're just going back to the school. We're going to go back to fifth grade uh, to work with our longtime friend, fifth grade teacher, because I'm sure he will want us back, I hope. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we will keep working with Lucinda, a wonderful teacher, and I think she's going to teach math group again. So we'll be doing more math activities, and why not? And, um, and I will be involved with uh, promoting the book, talking about these activities, but uh, it's not just uh, this, it's not just talking about this, it's not just providing uh, sort of evidence and, and stories about how powerful the therapy is and our work too, but it's going to be daily uh, or weekly therapy dog visits and continuing this work and continuing uh, meeting with children and spreading the happiness, less anxiety, because that is what got us to school, um, first of all. And that is something that helps me also on my job, because when I see faces of children and teachers, when I enter the school with my dog, that gives me this idea that I'm doing something that's good, something that's positive, something that helps children. And really helping children is very important. I mean, they are the future of, of this nation and all over the world. So shouldn't we do something that helps them in school, in schoolwork? I think we do. Those projects sound incredibly meaningful and impactful, but also <laughs> exhausting, I think, because like, how do you manage everything? Um, you continue to find innovative ways to help children learn and bring awareness to this field. It's super admirable how you're leveraging your knowledge and Carmel's talents. We look forward to seeing all the good you will continue accomplishing. So, of course, and I would like to just say that I don't want to sound like I'm like some kind of superwoman, but uh, what I do with the therapy, with the visits, I also try to connect these two worlds: my passion and, and publishing. That I have to do publishing and research on my job, but um, that's what I do. I bring the passion for dog therapy and researching uh, dog therapy activities into my job. So trying to connect these two things make it a little bit more manageable, I think. That's great. So um, what advice would you give someone who is considering training their dog for therapy work? Uh, the advice I would give them is to really find a good trainer. Find a good trainer, any trainer, but you can find a trainer who's got, who, who has experience they will have the knowledge about all kinds of trainings in the area and trainings for therapy dogs and things like that. And they will be um, able to give you some give, give some tips as far as which directions to go. Sometimes people just don't have an idea like where what kind of trainings I can have in this area, right? Where do I go? Who might ask? Number one thing everybody should start with is just with basic obedience training. Every dog including therapy dogs, they have to master these basic basic obedience tasks. 
So starting with that is really the best idea. Every dog benefits from good obedience training. And once you start with that, talk to the trainer about, well, maybe we can do more training. Uh, well, what do you think? Do you think my dog would be a good therapy dog? Once you're in the training situation, facility, obedience training, you'll be able to then connect with more people who will be able to point you to um, to some other types of trainings. Um, but also, it's possible to reach to therapy dog organizations because each is a little bit different and figure out like which organization do I like, which one sounds like it would be something that would work with us. And do they have uh, maybe like um, people who test and give certifications um, in, in my area? Are, are these organizations represented in my areas or not? Um, so that's another tip. But really starting with the basic obedience is um, so very important. And socializing your dog. So that means taking your dog to places where there are some people, there are noises, so they can get used to situations like that. Because wherever they go, hospital or school, there will be noises, there will be sometimes screaming children. And the dog um, should be pretty calm to a certain extent and not panic, not um, panic when there is noise, when something falls on the floor, right? So that's important. So when you go to stores like that, like Home Depot, Lowe's, and you have to check if the dogs are allowed, you can practice a lot of these socializing skills and getting used to noises and crowded uh, situations. These are great pieces of advice. You clearly speak from experience and care deeply about this work. So sure. our, our last question. Where can our listeners go to learn more about your therapy talk work and stay up to date on your upcoming projects? Thank you so much for this question. So I am especially active on my Instagram account, which is dr.barb.educator. And um, also on Facebook um, under my just full name, Barbara Focatis, uh, but mostly on Instagram. But I also have my website, www.barbaravocatis.com. So uh, that website can also be a sort of place of contact. Um, I offer two free lessons if somebody signs up for my newsletter. And um, yeah, so these are, I think, the main, the main, uh, places uh, platforms thank you all for tuning into this episode of speak now if you enjoyed our conversation make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media for updates and exclusive content we hope you will join us again for the next episode as we continue to share the stories of those who are fearlessly fighting for a better world until then remember to speak up speak out and speak now goodbye